0: There should be enough upside to offset the risk. That's how you look at investments. Some are safer than others, but none of them are without risk, period.
1: Welcome to the Get Real Podcast, your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success
0: with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Get Real podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Yep. Man, we're going to continue on our discussion about syndications because we got kind of we got into that a ways, but we didn't yeah. actually finish it up.
1: We felt like we were rushing at the end and we're like, "Oh, we can finish, we can finish all the stuff we wanted to talk about and then it felt too rushed, I think." Yeah.
0: And before we jump in, if you're new, first time you've listened to the show, this is a part two. So you should probably not start with this one, honestly, but we're glad you're here. Probably go listen to part one first and then just listen to this one. Either way, you should subscribe and share us with all your friends out there. You can find us at getrealestatesuccess.com and um, we'd love Mm -hmm. your feedback.
1: That's right. We have a lot of fun up in here.
0: Yeah we're going to have some fun up here today do. and we're going <laughs> to talking about syndications and this is fun. I actually enjoy there a lot of fun.
1: I've um, seen that in you actually. Yeah. You have a lot of fun with this. I think the learning side of it is really fun and the analyzing deals is really fun. So,
0: yeah. So we'll talk about some of that today. And then I, the part that I really love is deal structure. I love trying to solve problems and create deals. I yeah. genuinely, my brain is geared to solve problems, really enjoy that. And so essentially, Syndication really is just a big, huge challenge yeah. and putting it all the pieces together is, is really fun. The last time we talked about what a syndication is, we talked a little bit about private placements. We talked about a lot of terms, like a lot of a lot. Know, general partners, limited partners, and yada, 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 and all the different kinds of things that you can do, mostly with respect to apartment buildings. And we're going to we're going to stay on that track. And as we use any more terminology that um, we haven't defined, we will define it as well because we're going to move on a little bit from where we were. And we're going to talk a little bit about when you're looking at a deal, what should you, what are some questions that you should ask, you know, about structure, about the deal itself, things like that. We talked briefly about these things last It was really, really quick. So we're going to talk a little bit more about it and dive a little deeper into some of this stuff.
1: Yep. I think we talked about, you said, number one, the first thing that's the most important was to vet the people who are in charge, the general partners, because they're the ones making the decisions. They're the ones solving the problems. And so it's giving your money to someone who's going to help you with that. So you probably should know a little bit about them and their background,
0: right? Definitely. And if you don't, I mean, you should do some research right yeah Re- really important i mean
1: there's something to be there's something to be said about trying someone who's new right and you got to start somewhere right your first syndication deal but they should be able to i've seen it with you that you know work with someone who doesn't have as much experience maybe bring on someone as another general partner who has some experience i mean wouldn't that be more ideal than working with someone who's straight up newbie with no
0: i think most no other people help? who get into a deal like this do that Any intelligent person jumping into something that they don't know how to do is gonna bring someone on who adds value. And that value is probably gonna be helping them learn how to do the deal, right? How to make sure that this thing comes off without a hitch. And so yeah, that would be something I think it would be beneficial to look for. Let's go through some some things that I think that people should understand. You know, some of this is gonna be in the offering memorandum, some of it's gonna be in the private placement memorandum, some of this is gonna be company agreement. You need to know these things. So if it's not in those, and you're, and or you're just lazy, and you want to just ask the sponsor you're talking to, that's fine. But you should know these things. You should know how often and what type of reporting. Generally speaking, that corresponds with when do I get paid, because that should be also something that you should be asking. You should understand the deal structure, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you should also understand when you're getting paid. Is it quarterly? Is it monthly? Is it annually? Is it whenever they want? And then you know whether you're paying me or not. What kind of reporting do I get? Am I going to know what's going on at the building? Do I get the financials? And the answer to both of those should be yes. You should get any yeah. data that you want anytime you want it. Anybody who answers anything other than that probably shouldn't do a deal with them. You should get reporting and on a pretty consistent basis. So we do it quarterly. Th- that doesn't mean that's the only way or the right way to do it. We just do it quarterly. I find that's a pretty good time frame.
1: I feel like most of them do quarterly. Is that not the case?
0: I think most do, cuz it's a pretty good time frame. But yeah. some people pay monthly, depending mm. on how the deal wow. is structured, and some people don't pay at all for a year. You know, if you're doing a new construction deal, sometimes you don't make any money because you're building, right? There's no there's no money to pay out cuz there's yeah. no income, and so, you know, may not make any money. But you should still get reports. You should still understand yes. what's going on with the property during that year.
1: Yeah, if you're not getting money, where's the money? Like you should know that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I get the question, how long is my money going to be tied up quite a bit? That's a really important one. You should know what the term is. And if you're investing in a property, you understand this is another really important thing that I find that I have to explain quite a bit and over and over again for some people. And that is, this isn't a loan. This isn't like Mm -hmm. principal and interest payments. That's not what this is, right? This is you're investing in a company. You're getting yeah, distributions. It's a, yeah. you know, I get emails and they're like, hey, when's my interest payment? Like, what? And so when I get emails like that, <laughs> I think it feels to the investor when I apply, I think it feels like that's not what I meant, but, but it's important. If I answer yeah. that and say your interest payments are coming in a couple of weeks, well, then I've just agreed with them that it's an interest payment. It's not an interest payment. This is not debt. Unless it's structured as debt, it's yeah. not debt. This is coming to you in the form of distributions that are going to show up on a K-1 at the end of the year. You're yeah. an owner. So it's a yeah. So how long is my money going to be in? Well, if it's not debt, it doesn't really have a fixed term. It can have inside of the documents, but a lot of times it's not. It's kind of a range, mm-hmm. you know, eighteen months to twenty-four months. It's going to take us to turn around, you know, before we sell, or you know, three to five years, or five to ten years, or ten to twenty years. It could be any any number of things. But you need to understand: is this a short-term deal? Is it a mid-term deal? Is it a long-term deal? What's the play?
1: And what are your options if? You wanted, if you had a life circumstance change and you need to get out, you know, what does that look like? How does that work with a syndication?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And most of them that I know don't have, you know, you can't just say, Hey, I want my money back. It's not the way it yeah. works. You could sell your shares. So the way I structure mine is that the person can sell their shares to someone else. Everyone in the fund itself has first right of refusal on those shares. Mm-hmm. And other than that, the general partners still have to approve anybody who's coming in. So it's not as easy as just, Hey, I want out. (laughs) That's not the way it works. Well, you know, generally, I mean, some of them may have those kind of options, but nothing that I've seen does this last round where I'm raising money. I think I've had a couple of people ask me if I guaranteed a return too. Oh, really? It's the first time that's ever happened on a syndication, (laughs) but there must be syndicators out there guaranteeing returns. I think you and I have talked about this before with just with yeah. respect to like turnkey providers who are guaranteeing things, right? Didn't we talk mm-hmm. about that? I'm sure we did.
1: We did. It's been a while though. So I think reiterating it for new listeners might, might be good. I mean, if you the guarantee is only as good as, you know, the person you're getting it from, it doesn't necessarily mean that circumstances can't change. That happens with rental properties all the time. You know, They aren't able to perform on the guarantee and then what, what good did it do you, right? So <laughs> there's...
0: <laughs> Look, in my opinion, yeah. it's not an investment if there's a guarantee. That's why life insurance isn't a guarantee. It's not an, an investment because there's a guarantee. If you get a guarantee, it's not an investment. It's just not. Investments have risks, not guarantees. So no, I don't. And anybody that does, it's my personal belief that you should run away from people who guarantee. If you you got to ask yourself why. Why are they guaranteeing? Do you need to guarantee something because the deal isn't that great? And I'm not going to say yes unless you guarantee it. What's the purpose of guaranteeing something? the deal's good or the deal's not good? Why do I need to guarantee it? Why would they guarantee it? Along those lines, what are the risks? What's the upside? What's the downside? So every sponsor is going to tell you what the upside is. All of them they should also tell you what the downside is and if they don't you should ask them and then the downside should should seem like a downside it shouldn't be like a well this is the biggest no-brainer i've ever seen but i guess something could go wrong like i don't know i mean it,
1: a lightning could strike <laughs> <right>?
0: <laughs> look this is real estate and if they say i think uh, somebody asked me what could go wrong and i'm like look when you get the private placement memorandum when you read through all of the crap in there that could go wrong yeah. that i have put in there if you still want to invest and literally, we list out just about everything they could possibly have to your investment. And then ultimately, what they should say is that you could lose your money mm-hmm. because that's the truth. You could lose your money.
1: Which is why the- this is for accredited investors who have yes. potentially money. That's why money, there's a private placement.
0: That's why yeah. it's SEC regulated. Yeah. So if some sponsor starts giving you a hardcore sales pitch about why there's almost no risk to the deal and they don't tell you what the real risk is, the real risk is you could lose your money. That's the real risk. There should be enough upside to offset the risk. That's how you look at investments. Some are safer than others, but none of them are without risk, period. It's important to know how the sponsors make money. It's important to know when the sponsors make money because I think I said in the last episode that the money partners, the limited partners should make their money first. They should be paid first before the sponsors are paid. That's important. How they structure their payouts is important and indicative of what you can expect from them.
1: And I, I think you said this last time, if they're not going to get paid well, why would they put time into making sure you get paid well? Right? So
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: there has to be an upside for them. And they
0: should be yoked to you and your success. Everyone should be yoked together, but people who put the money in should get first money in, first money out. In my opinion, that's the way it should work. So let's talk a little bit about structures, right? I think last time we talked about the story. Before we go into structure, I think we talked about the story of the property. Yeah. And that's really important. Why is the seller selling? Tell me the story from beginning to end, right? What, what's the problem? How are we solving the problem? And then what's the upside to us solving the problem? Tell the whole story all the way from. And I think I said last time that one of the reasons that we want to do that is the same reason. Yeah. Cause I talked about my, talked about my buddy's podcast. And yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So we talked about all of that. Make sure you do that. Okay. As far as the deal goes, you probably want to know how it's priced. Is it priced comparable? What are the rents? Are the rents low yeah. for the area? You know, yeah. we talked about cap rates last time. And I think I actually talked about, We spent some time on cap rates because, for some reason, it's really a hard concept for people to understand. But you should understand what the cap rates are—the going in cap rate. What's our targeted exit cap rate and where are we right now? You should understand a little bit about the financials. Like, is it a mess right now? Uh, Is that what we're cleaning up? Is the property Mm -hmm. what we're cleaning up? Are we doing both? Is the property running really well? It just has a little bit of upside because the rents are a little bit low. I mean, what's the real story here? And then, what's the shape of the property? The most important shape of the property is the really expensive stuff, roof, major mechanical systems, that kind of stuff, The things that can really upend a project. And then what's the budget for all that stuff? And where's the money coming from? What's the loan look like that we're getting on the property?
1: Yeah. I think one interesting factor that I've seen with your syndications is most often you've participated in them right? That you're a player and that you're putting your money into it as well. That it's not just, Hey, give me your money. I have this cool idea. It's, I have a cool idea and I believe in it. I'm going to put my own money into it.
0: Yeah. Do I think that the general partners need to fund most of it and they're looking for a little bit of scratch from somebody else? No, I don't think so. I think I, you know, generally I put money in, you know, kind of commiserate with what everybody else is putting in. Just, I'm just a yeah. same, I'm a limited partner with you guys and I'm the general partner who's going to do the deal too. And then I think that also yokes them, right? I'm getting money, first money in, first money out. And I'm also got a little bit of upside on the back end, right?
1: That's pretty smart, Um, actually. Yeah.
0: And if I'm a limited partner, I want to know, like, what should I expect return first year? First year is the trickiest year because that's when we're doing all the cleanup and everything. How's the property actually Mm -hmm. running? Uh, Are we going to get paid first year? And when yeah. are we going to get paid first year? What's the projections? How quickly are we going to be able to turn things around if we need to? Or is the property operating mm-hmm. right now sufficient that it can pay us out? Yeah. Right. I think one of the things to take into consideration in the market is what is it that's around it as part of the story that helps the story? Have we calculated taxes based on our new purchase price? A lot of people miss that. Yeah. I mean, if the old people bought it for a million wow. and you've got taxes in there based on their million, and you're buying it for four. Well, that's going to be a... <laughs>
1: That's, that's, gonna, that's gonna be
0: fun in a year <laughs> when you get your tax bill.
1: I've seen your deal structures too with minimum investment. I'm a little bit different. Like yeah, different like, every time.
0: It is different, but based on the property and based on what the raise is. You know, if it's a million dollar raise, that's a pretty small raise, so I'm gonna have to have a big, huge minimum where I can allow you know more investors who don't really want to try it out. But if I'm raising two and a half, three, four million dollars. I mean, I got to have a really, I got to have a lot larger minimum because I don't want to have a million investors that I have to deal with. Each deal is different. And these are also things, right? You should be asking, what's the minimum investment and how much are each of the shares? What's the maximum investment? Sometimes they have a maximum investment and that usually that's because of financing. Because if you own over a certain percentage, you have to go on a loan.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't know
0: that. You become a de facto general partner, whether you want to or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, if you go back to all of the things that we've already talked about, as far as area goes, those things all apply here. And, you know, I mean, you could go back to the show. We've probably talked about it two or three times, all the different things, right? We, we want to talk about schools and shopping and, you know, jobs and you know, all of that stuff. Every, all of that needs to be around where you are. You should have some kind of a report that they're going off of that can corroborate what they think that their rents are going to be. We use CoStar. It's a great, great reporting. And, you know, CoStar gives tons of information about both the property itself and about the surrounding properties. It also tells you how many properties are being built around the area so you can tell what your competition is going to be in the next year or two years whoever the sponsor is should have something like that that is corroborating what the all of the market statistics that they're coming up with, like the vacancy rate and the rents yeah. and comparable sales and all of that stuff.
1: I think understanding the rents that you're projecting, if you're going to raise rents, you want to understand what the median income is in the area. So you know the rents are affordable for a good part of the population, right? That you're not limiting who your tenants are. So making it harder to raise rents, right? So all that little nitty gritty analysis can play a big part in how the property performs long-term.
0: Right. And then, you know, deal structure finer points. Is there an acquisition fee? Is there a management fee? What does the waterfall payout look like? And, you know, if you imagine a waterfall, it hits different points at different places, right? As it, as it flows over, well, it's the same thing. So how does the waterfall look? And that goes back to who gets paid first. Well, who gets paid first? How much? Who gets paid second? How much? Why? Why did we structure it that way? You know, almost all of mine are structured a little bit different, and each one is structured a little bit different because of the terms uh, that we've negotiated in the deal. You know, and they're not mm-hmm. all the same. I think we talked about a couple of them last time, where the deal structure was really heavily weighted towards the limited partners on a new const- on kind of a construction type of a deal, which seemed really risky for the general partners, in my opinion. Well, mm-hmm. the exact same thing can be said for some of the structures relating to the limited partners. They can be Really heavily weighted towards the general partners, so much so that they're taking money all over the place, right? Um, and they're not giving out fair returns. That said, you know, sometimes I get emails from people who say, you know, the money should make a lot of money. Well, the money should make a lot of money in the case that there's limited supply of money and a lot of deals. This is the same thing that we yeah. basically just talked about in the last episode about supply and demand. Well, right now there is a ton of money and there are almost no deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, so which way is it going to be heavily weighted? It's going to be more heavily weighted, right? What's not seen, I think, to a lot of people when they're looking at private placements and, and syndications is the work that goes in upfront before there's even a syndication. The one that I just did, we've been working on that for three months before we even brought mm-hmm. it up to be a syndication. We've already spent somewhere around $30,000 on that deal to make it mm-hmm. a deal before we even started the syndication. We've already flown there. We already did the due diligence. We've already done a lot on that deal. And to get that deal, we had to look at a ton of other deals, sure. which we've been doing, all right? And so one of the other benefits of, you know, buying into syndication is you don't have to do any of that stuff. You're buying into a ready-made deal. It's already there. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's already, done, hopefully, somebody's already done a lot of legwork on the deal.
1: Cuz I have a lot of clients that love real estate and they love the capabilities of real estate. They love that it's a secured asset. They don't want to be tied to the stock market so much, right? But then when it comes to owning rental properties that either overwhelms them or when there's a problem, it just totally messes with their mind. Like this is supposed to work different and there's an upset and things happen and I have to spend my time. And so syndications are really great for people like that, right? Where you don't have to do the due diligence as much, right? You can do your due diligence like the questions we've been talking about, but flying there and looking at the project probably not necessary for buying a couple shares.
0: You know what? Not necessary, but I had one of mine where I had four of the investors and they all kind of knew each other from all different parts of the country, but they all flew in. It was fun. Oh, really? It was fun. Mm. And they actually flew in on the day when we were doing due diligence and they helped with due diligence. It was a blast Mm. actually. Plus it made it way faster. Because we walk every single unit of a lot of units, well over a hundred units. And we were able to three of them or three or four, I can't remember, but there was three of us. And so it was, there was three teams that get to go walk instead of one team, they got to go walk the units. And so I think it was really good for them too, because they got to learn what does due diligence look like? What are we looking for in each one of these units? When we go in, what are we looking for in the exterior? who all's there on site? Like which contractors do we have there looking at what? Because when we go to do due diligence, I'm not qualified to look at the HVAC. I'm not qualified to look at the roof, nor am I going to climb up on there. I'm not qualified to look at those major mechanicals. So we hire Mm -hmm. contractors to come and look at those who are qualified to tell us Hmm. and then to tell us how much it's going to cost to fix them so that we actually have legit numbers. I am qualified to walk into a unit and look and say, okay, this thing's got, we got to have new carpet. We need, you know, yeah. we need a whole new kitchen. We need new appliances. There's a
1: hole in the wall.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm qualified to do that,
1: yeah.
0: but you know yeah. what I'm not qualified to do that my team can do afterwards is take that list and turn it into something that's financial, right? Mm-hmm. They can say, this is what all of this stuff costs based on what we found. This is what we need to put into this property. Yeah. So you don't have to come. Doesn't mean you can't. Doesn't mean you can't come after the fact too. I've actually had clients who are in the air, kind of like you, Heather. When you did your you know U.S. tour this summer, true. Where they're like, hey, we're gonna be close. Can we just stop up? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, you know, I'll call our on-site management and say, hey, I got a couple of investors who are gonna stop by. They want to just tour around the property. You know, take them around, show them the works, and that's fun because they get to go and see something that most everybody doesn't get to see. So. I would certainly never discourage that. Anybody who actually wants to come should come. But no, it's not necessary. And most of the people don't do that. <laughs> most of the people, yeah. the reason they're investing in a syndication is they don't want to do any of that stuff.
1: That makes sense. In recapping of a general partner and their responsibilities from a lot of things you've said over probably the last two episodes, you're looking at the deals, reviewing the financials, right, getting a game plan together, negotiating the deal, going under contract of course. You have you know inspections you mentioned, coordinating with property managers as well to make sure what they're going to charge, vetting the taxes and the numbers to make sure if it's going to increase that you're ready for that and you have a budget for that, travel to the property, form due diligence, trying to see what else... Oh, researching the market as well, and uh, having, per- and then once you purchase and own it as the syndication, then you're overseeing the property and the property manager and solving any problems, and then When it comes time to sell, then you're handling a lot of the negotiations on selling, right? A
0: little pressure on you. Everything else that goes along with selling, which is pretty much everything you already um, said is from the other side. We usually go about once a year to the property as well. And, you know, we're responsible for hiring and training the teams that are on the ground. So it's Hmm. not as, it's not just let, you know, if you're buying a larger property, you've got on-site people. Hmm you know those people usually they're employed by the property not mm. by the property management company and so that makes sense. You know, those are your employees enough. you're paying taxes on those people you, this, you're responsible for helping to make sure that everything is going well on site
1: who typically is coordinating the repairs or you know things like that is it the property manager that mostly owns that
0: to some degree right we're the ones who direct the work mm. they're the ones who make sure that the work gets done You know, either the management company has contractors that we've used or we have contractors in the area. You know, the one that we just did, we actually have a pretty deep list of contractors in the area that we use because we have other properties there. But in a new area, we would be leaning really heavily on them. But also, we know how much things cost. We go in and say, you need to go find another contractor because we're not going to pay them out we're not going to pay that for flooring. This is what we pay for flooring yeah. because we already know what we can get it for in other places. So, we're responsible for all of that and I think then on the front side things that people don't see because sometimes you can see some of that in the reporting. But, you know, for instance, this deal we've been working on for 3 months, we put up the deposit, we're the ones who paid for the people to go on site and help us inspect the property. We're the ones who who paid the upfront fee for the financing to get the financing moving. You know, we we're the ones who Paid for all the people to fly in our whole team so that we could do this, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, all before we knew there was a deal. I mean, we we can put something in their contract. That doesn't mean it's a deal. And in any one of those points, we could be we could shut the thing down because the beginning of the year was actually the end of the year last year. We did we did that. We actually shut a deal down, and we had already spent already started with the attorneys to pay for the general partner limited partnership. We had already had our, our attorneys reviewing contracts and working with the other side. These deals are not just like you go sign a state contract. These are specific <laughs> deals, yeah. right? You pay attorneys and attorneys talk to their attorneys and, you know, and we had already done our inspections. I mean, we had a lot of money sunk into that deal. You know, it blew up in renegotiations because we found some things in, in our due diligence that didn't work the numbers didn't work anymore and so we we had to have we had we had to renegotiate but you know those are those are costs of doing business for the general partners so all of that and all of the work that goes into putting one of these syndications together i think some investors who just don't understand everything that goes into this discount all of that because now here's this deal that's been laid in front of me that's important So
1: I think that's great. Good overview.
0: Those are syndications. Most of them that I've seen, ultimately your internal rate of return should be double digits from everything that I'm seeing out there. I think you can do really well with them. So long as you're with a good operator, you can, you can generally speaking rest assured that it's going to go well. Anyway, on that happy note. Thank
1: you. No, that's great. I think, I think this is, these are questions I get all the time. So this is an episode I'll send out frequently. I'm sure.
0: So, I'm glad we have a recap. um, As always, Heather, if people have questions about anything, they should send them in to us so that we can do a show on it. This show actually came about because of even part two of this show, came about because of the questions that we get. So, definitely Mm -hmm. keep keep answering or keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them on here. So, if you've been thinking about doing a uh, syndication, get out there and make it happen. Till next time, guys. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.